Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, of course, our favorite little segment of thinking, doing, playing board games. And Ryan, what's up? We're going to be continuing the mechanics series, which has been gaining some kind of ground here. And my mechanism that I like to talk about is going to be variable player powers. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into our little banters of thinking, doing, playing board games. And I'll I'll get this going uh, off, the, off the go here. I'll, I'll get dibs. I got dibs. I'm going to talk about Descent 2nd Edition with the solo app. Um, mm. Now, ca- I, I, I'm going to use the word caveat. Um, uh, I have Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth, I believe. Did I get it right? Wrong? Yeah. I always get that in, one. Up. In um, Middle-Earth. So, um, but I've heard everybody talk such good things about Descent and how it was such, you know, it, it was the foundation of a lot of this app-driven solo play. Um, and so, you know, of course, uh, I'm, you know, easily swayed when it comes to buying board games. Uh, so I picked it up. I played, man, according to, according to the Steam app, uh, I've played 17 hours of it. Wow. Great. Yeah. And uh, so I, and um, the, uh, it, it's, everything is, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a Lego movie. Everything's awesome about it. Uh, uh, and everybody it, now hates you because they got that song stuck in their head. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! We'll play it on the outro music. <laughs> um, but uh, this, uh, of course, everything for me now is about solo gaming until we can, you know, get out and play with other people. But the uh, it, it's the engine was very familiar because, like I said, with Lord of the Rings, very same uh, um, app-driven engine integrated with a little slightly different theme, right? I mean, it's still, both of them are still dungeon di- dungeon diving. And, uh, but uh, Lord of the Rings, of course, with the IP it has. Um, this one did not fail at all in my uh, appreciation of it. Uh, very difficult, very, <laughs> very, and this one too, like Lord of the Rings, if you fail a mission, you keep going. The story keeps going. This one, eh, you're done. Time to start over. You suck, <laughs> and uh, it's very much to me like uh, like that video game. I, I can't get past that level, right? I, I, right. I mean, same thing. I think Gloomhaven is that that aspect where it's like you don't carry on unless you're successful. So um, I, I like that one, and the minis are awesome, and so everything. I'm I'm, and I, again, I don't know if it's that whole honeymoon syndrome thing, but I'm really digging it. I like it a lot. It 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 does. Uh, it does everything that I want it to do. So um, that being said, I know, Ryan, that you might have had this game before. Uh, I did, and then I didn't for some <laughs> reason. I just We just never got it to the table. I think I traded it away um, well before the app yeah. came to be a thing. Yeah. Um, but Jen and I had fun with it when we just used to play. Like, I would play the, the, um, I would play the bad guys, and she'd yeah. be playing the heroes, and... And it was fun for a fun for a while, but if we definitely had the app, the co- to make it more cooperative, 
um, experience. Definitely, we because um, I ended up getting Imperial Assault, which is based <laughs> off of the Descent. Yeah, and Imperial Assault was the first one that came out that came with the came out with the app, and then they said, "Hey, this was such a success. Let's make it for Descent too." Yeah. and it became a success because just it revitalized it. Yeah, yeah, just taking away the Overlord player. Yeah. For some reason, people just didn't like. Like, if you're going to play Overlord player, just may as well play playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like, you just may as well just go do that and let's just play a board game against a AI type of thing. Yeah. But in Imperial Assault, when you, if you fail a mission, you just go into the next mission with a detriment. Mm. So it's, it's okay. the, the story still continues, but you are now kind of handicapped a little bit at the beginning of the next one. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, that was uh, uh, that's that was my little... Uh, uh, I mean, I was surprised when it said 17 hours of play. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe, no, no, or, I, I remember <laughs> those days. I remember those days. How long, is it, how long is one game approximately? Well, one session. Like two hours. I, oh, I think I sat. I was three hours, and then and then oh, came down okay. and went. Um, bedtime. I was like, <laughs> uh, I just came down here after supper, and it's already holy moly. Oh, so there's it's a long game. Okay. Yeah. But it's no, engaging I, though. That's what I'm that's what I you know, there's long games that you feel like they're long games. Mm-hmm. And this oh, yeah. one, no, man, because you're already you're hopping. Nope. I remember those days in university and you just plug in like <laughs> plug in plug in Skyrim and just on a Saturday night and all of a sudden it's Sunday morning. Holy holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Descent second edition with the solo app. I highly recommend it. Okay, moving on. Who wants next? I'll go. Right. Um, I played Glenmore. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I talked about it on the Wednesday podcast, and I've talked about it before on this podcast. Uh, but I really like Glenmore. It's a it's a neat little straightforward Euro game. Right? Tile in the same sense of like Carcassonne and Alumbra. It's a tile building game. And you're collecting resources and cashing them in for points or whiskey or other stuff. I really like how you pick the tiles, right? You go around the board and it's like a, whoever's last in line gets yeah. to keep going until they get caught up. And that's a really neat idea. The, the Rondell Takedo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a really fun game. It doesn't take very long to play. It's like under an hour, I would say. Yeah. I mean, we've been playing two players, so I I can't, I don't see how it'd be too much longer with more players, but no, because you still go through the same amount of tiles. It speeds, it's pretty, yeah, it picks up. Yeah. And I was in the store the other day and I saw the Glenmore 2 box. (laughs) That box is huge. (laughs) Like, Glenmore is a pretty standard, like, it's smaller than most standard boxes. It's, Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's a tiny, tiny box. It's like a it's like a big hardcover book. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, and I just remember Ryan complaining about board games a few episodes ago and the sizes of things, right? Yeah. Like it's not anachrony size, but it's still well. I a mean, big box. It's a small suitcase compared to the original box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and so, but it it kind of made me want to look into that. Glenmore 2. Now, A, I'm never going to buy it because I hate the fact that they call it 2, right? You guys know the, know this. <laughs> you know my naming hang-ups. Sequel. Yeah. Um, the art on the tiles actually looks pretty nice, though. Like, I was kind of looking at the differences there, and that's intriguing. And, of course, they, instead of just the cubes, they actually have, like, sheep and cows and, and little wheat meeple cutouts which would be nice to have too. I'd kind of like them to make like a upgrade pack for my <laughs> for my old copy. That would be pretty sweet. But it also comes with eight mini expansions that you add into the game as well. And that's where this chronicles idea comes in. That's what they're that's what mm-hmm. they're calling them. And I thought about that, and I just like I'm kind of maybe I'm getting burnt out on expansions because I just saw that <laughs> as tiring. <laughs> but. Is that this is also a game too? The game itself is so good yeah. that what what is what is the expansion really adding to? It? Is it going to add to the experience? Yeah, they yeah, add know. a little more side narrative. 
Now, now for, for people, most people listening to probably uh, finding the original Glenn Moore is pretty hard to find. Yeah. Um, pretty hard to find these days. And so Glenn Moore 2 is kind of like their option to get into the game. And unfortunately, it's a massive box. Yeah, that, that's a, that is unfortunate because I do think that that's a detractor for some people. Yeah, like I, it, I don't it, understand the reasoning behind these massive boxes coming out. Bigger is better. I'm joking. And plus they plus they just had another Kickstarter too, which adds oh. another massive box of modules, <laughs> and it adds a solo aspect to it. Well, yeah, one one <laughs> module is a solo. Hey, I'll take thing. it, man. I'll take it in a heartbeat. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I do but find I, that I'm, I'm playing. I, there are certain games I actually play less because, and I wonder if it's because of the big box. Like ever since I got that Suburbia <laughs> big box, we don't play it as much. It's almost like it's like it's you got to pull this big thing out and then take every. I don't know. It just seems like it okay, is that, like a subconscious that doesn't make, detractor. That, that doesn't make any sense because the trays inside that box make the setup so easy. I guess. Like you yes. just like pop, 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 and it's all over there. And it's, it's all set up and ready to go. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just got me thinking about boxes. That's a conundrum, isn't it? Conundrum. And that, cardboard, uh, conundrum. cardboard conundrum. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did it all over your spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan, what you got? Okay. So I got another massive box kickstarter that just came in just just before Another the weekend box. here kickstarter well, you really yeah so um <laughs> i got the come on simon i don't even know what you call them nowadays um marvel united and this was one that we i had mentioned on the hey i'm excited to play from 2020 that i haven't had to get a chance because my kickstarter hadn't arrived yet so now it's finally come and holy crap, uh, he even mentioned it to me. He's like, while he was looking pictures at it, he's like, wow, this looks like a kid's game. And that's the kind of the main reason I wanted to get it because it's got these kind of, kind of like these cartoonish chibi looking mm -hmm. Marvel superheroes. The minis are really kind of cool. And I wanted to play this with Regan. I, he's really into superheroes. And as soon as I got it and I pulled out the box, his eyes went, What? is that <laughs> and we pulled it out we opened it up and everything he's like okay are we gonna play this and i said sure let me just do a quick quick skim of the rule book because i hadn't read about the game in quite some time there's nothing to this game really there's you get a hand of cards well you each, each character has their own deck of cards which you each character does not need their own deck of cards because there's not very much difference between each of the decks of cards yeah. Just the art. <laughs> Just the art. And some like Hulk has more punching icons rather than Black Widow has much more um, moving yeah. icons type of thing. Um, but yeah, essentially what you're trying to do is you're, you choose a villain. The base game comes with three villains, Red Skull, um, Taskmaster, and Ultron. And yeah, you're just trying to defeat the you're trying to defeat the big bad. Now, before you defeat the big bad, you have to complete three missions. You have to either wipe out so many bad guys, or you have to rescue so many civilians, or you have to um, thwart so many side schemes that are going on in all the locations. And really, all this is done by the cards that you play, which either move you, um, rescue a bystander, or fight. That's all. Those are the only three act three icons you actually ever have to worry about. And oh my gosh, do we have so much fun with this? It, it, it is an absolute blast. A game doesn't take very long. Um, I think our longest game was this afternoon. We played one this afternoon and it took 25 minutes. That was our longest game so far. Sometimes I feel like my initial setup, my first time setting it up took longer than actual because I would I'd figure out what we had to do. Yeah. But now that I got everything organized uh, properly and it is a lot of fun now this is not your strategy gamers game no no this is a family game this is a kid's game i'm willing to i'm willing to put money on this podcast saying this is a game that i hope regan looks back like he's going to turn 30 something some some years in the future and he's going to remember he's like 
remember playing that like Marvel United game or that Marvel game? Because I I got this feeling that he's going to think about this game in the same way that I used to think about like this old Ninja Turtles game that I played back in like the 80s. Or like even like Hero when we used to play Hero Quest or something like cool. that. I really hope that he gets he develops that nostalgia because he's just like and he's like we got the now I got the gameplay all in I've got all of the expansions there I've got no. like, a, like no like the, the base game only comes with um seven <laughs> heroes and three villains we've got now oh what did I count there's something like fifty heroes I remember and- the Kickstarter and every time that unlocks stuff you're like <gasps> They unlocked this one today. <laughs> it's like okay. they unlocked this guy today. They unlocked this guy today. There is so much content. We're going to be playing this for years before we actually probably play through everything. But that's a good thing, though. Yeah. Now, Simon or Kaman did this really wonderful thing after this this wave just launched. Is that you can go on their website, and I mentioned it in the last episode. I'm a sucker for achievements and unlocking things. <laughs> you, there's a there's a four page PDF file of achievements that you oh can my. that you can try to meet while playing through all of the gameplay all in, um, stuff. And so, like, of course, I printed it off, and we've already I've already checked we've already checked off like about four or five of them. Nice. So I'm going achievement hunting again, as long as we're, uh, and we're also playing zombie kids evolution still, but everything. Well, you have to have a proper balanced diet, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I mentioned this to Ian just the other day or through text, or maybe it was this morning. I can't even remember anymore, but all of my gaming lately has been um, Marvel United, zombie kids evolution and Pokemon, the card game. That is all my gaming lately. I've been tracking that on your Twitter account. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm like, I'm craving some actual strategy board games (laughs) with with adult with adults. Cool. But it's still like, and now it's it's still an not a overly easy game um all the games that we have won have all come right down to the wire like it's like the one to this this afternoon was okay regan you've got one card left in your deck if it's not a move icon we lose he's like oh my gosh oh my gosh and we flipped and it was a move icon and there's like there's like eruptions of cheers and alex woke up from his nap and then now i'm in trouble and (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, we defeated Taskmaster. Memorable. Oh, gosh, yeah, because we're like, if it's not a move icon, we lose. (laughs) You need to be able to move and do Hulk smash. (laughs) Cool. So Marvel United, and and they just announced, it's coming very, very soon, Marvel United X-Men is coming to Kickstarter very soon. I heard that. I heard that. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. just shut, shut up, take my money. <laughs> cool. Because make it for be, champions. And then, then put X-Men in champions too. Yeah, but see, see that, that's, the, the, that's the next thing. I'm pretty sure that X-Men is going to be coming to champions. If they're, if, if, if Simon's introducing X-Men, okay, fantasy flights can't be too, um can't be too far off. They're going yeah, to get on the X-Men. It depends train. on the licensing too. Yeah. Cool. Hey, no, no, no. They, they, they need to do it. They need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's junky talk. Uh, just before we transition out, uh, I, I want you to plug a little bit. Now, here's the weird thing. We're going to talk about it now because it hasn't happened yet. But I think when this podcast comes out that it will have had happened. I think that's the proper back to the future, uh, future past tense expression. But I'm talking about... Uh, the Bridge City Board Gamers King Domino Tournament. Because this episode that we are talking right now is going to launch on the 17th. Oh, don't break the illusion that we're not recording live. Oh, yeah, we're always live. We're just, like, we're, we're just jumping in back in time to do stuff. But, um, yes, Ryan, right. this is on the heels of a very successful Castles of Burgundy Tournament, uh, the proof of concept, as I like to say. And are you are you happy with how this turned out that we're having another one? And I'm I'm super pumped about this. It's like, yay, we're we're doing we're we're starting to introduce yeah, to the I'm community trying, these yeah, little trying, mini cons, these mini tournaments. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, because it's really, really kind of cool getting the community involved. Um, we're trying something a little bit different with the King Domino tournament. We're now asking for a small 
um, tournament fee, but all those fees are going to get turned into a gift card um, for the game store of the winner's choice. Yeah. So I think we're only, it's, it's been three bucks. Yeah. You get entered and now they're going to play. And I'm using the BGA tournament software. And there was a little bit of a hiccup, but I think we've got it all ironed out. Cool. Now we got, I got it all ironed out. Now I know how to run it smoothly um, for the next time. But yeah, the King Donald tournament going on. Um, we're doing asynchronous play. Um, so everybody gets um, uh, two days worth of thinking time. And so, and I think it has, I think it, but I think it really averages to two and a half days because you have five days to complete a game. Yeah. And in King Domino, if you can arrange with the other player, you can knock that you out. Crank like, it out. Yeah. In, 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 a, in a few minutes, but no, it, it's cool. been, it's been really awesome. Um, we got lots of participants going on. So uh, going in so far and I'm getting lots of messages. Nice. About what's the, what's the next one? Nice. What, we, what, what could we possibly do for the next one? I think the next one should be like a whole right very long con. And have people like through our Discord channel. Like, oh yeah, bigger things, man. Let's uh, let's have this grow. Yep. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragons Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragons Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games miniature systems and all of the related accessories be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area dragon's den games louis the eighth mall on h street in saskatoon and we're back this is cardboard conjecture we're going into topics of interest and we're going to continue with the mechanics series and ryan this one's yours take it away yeah, so I was looking at, again, how I get my inspiration for these topics is that I go through my game collection. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of standing in my room there looking at my shelves and say, okay, what kind of mechanisms do I see here? And another mechanism that I see that I kind of own quite a few games of are games that have variable, they call them variable player powers. And now the, like I kind of say the variable player powers or people may call it asymmetric play Mm-hmm. but it's really it's that concept where um, players are going to be playing the same core game. Like you're going to be, everybody's playing the same game, but everybody at the table is going to have some sort of different benefit. Kind of like your player power, your your ability may allow you to. And now I list off a couple of things. Maybe you guys can add to this list a little bit, but like player powers, they allow you to, you know, perform certain actions in the game more efficiently. Or maybe you start the game with different resources than other players. Or maybe... Or you just- can interrupt people whenever you want to. <laughs> That's mine. That's a great superpower. <laughs> Highly annoying, but very effective. Oh, very funny. <laughs> or maybe you just do things that no one else can do in the game. Like, completely. I, I think, for me, it's buffs, bonuses, and rule breakers. That's kind of the, the dimensions for me with when it comes to variable player powers. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Ian, do you have anything else that you'd like? Well, I think when you, again, I don't, I, I don't like arguing semantics, but I do think it's um, important to focus the conversation. So we're talking about specifically at the start of the game, what you start with, right? Yeah, that, that's the most, that's probably, yeah. I would say 99% of all the examples we're going to come up with today yeah. are, these are games you get dealt, some people will call them factions. Yeah. Some people call them houses. Predetermined. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there's games where you can start off the same and then tech tree your way differently that by the end of the game, everybody has a different spectrum of powers and abilities and, that- and benefits. Yeah, and that opens it up to like almost every strategy yeah, game. So yeah, I think we have yeah. to so narrow our focus. That it's yeah. like at the start of the game, everybody begins with a different version. Yeah. 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 So one of the, now I, I followed Ian's format a little bit from his previous one, but one of the earliest examples I thought about this one was the game Cosmic Encounter. Because Cosmic Encounter is, is not a new game by the stretch of magic. It came back, it came out originally in the, the 70s. Mm-hmm. Was was the was like the original version of Cosmic Encounter. 
And Cosmic Encounter is, well, at least just the original base game itself is a big old stack of alien races. And everybody gets dealt one of these alien races and they all do something a little bit different in the game. And so that was kind of like the, this introduction into the fact that we're all in this game, but my alien race, well, it allows me to read numbers backwards and I can flip flop them or Ian's alien race allows him to, Oh, every time he adds a ship to a planet, he actually adds two ships to a planet or something along those lines. So everybody is doing some, just something a little bit different than everybody else. And probably at some point, different time in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, original, my first experience with variable player power was uh, a 1979 game called Dune. And uh, yeah, I remember playing that as a kid. And when it came out, it, it popped the back of my head off going, well, what, do, what do you mean? What do you mean? I can't do that. And you can, well, I can do, this is kind of cool. And it changed everything. Like, I mean, this is coming back in an era where uh, you had Monopoly, Payday, Careers, right? It's very kind of, very Amera theme. Ah, eh, trash. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was, this was came out of left field. And interestingly enough, same designers as Cosmic. Yeah, they are the same designers. Yeah, and what was their famous quote? Balances for wimps or something along yeah. those lines? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there. I Cosmic is a great game. It's a, again, it's a chaotic game because of that. Because these powers can just do whatever. But it's if you're okay with that, if you're comfortable with it, it's fantastic. And and I really like the fact that they kind of also level like a little, well, at least in later editions, like more recent editions, they they leveled off the uh, the alien races. Kind of like have like, hey, these are kind of like easier alien races. These are they're kind of more moderate alien races, and these ones are kind of like the more complex. Yeah, they got the light system, right? Green, yeah. yellow, red lights. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. If I because I don't know anything about the original edition if they had that uh, part of it, I but doubt it. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. That hey, if I'm going to play this with some new players, I'm going to make sure that they get some of those green lights, the the easier ones, and I'll probably select maybe a more complex. Um, anyways, not necessarily the complex is going to be a better race. It's just that their time more intricate. Or, yeah, their their rule breaking thing that they're going to yeah. do is probably just a little bit more advanced than what a, a new player to the game could probably handle. There's a few editions of Cosmic Encounters in there. Yeah, because they just came out a few years ago with the 42nd edition anniversary, which is really quite a neat um, gimmick playing on the, f- the number 42. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so that was kind of like the earliest. So now, what what I've got here next is that I'm just gonna we're gonna talk about why variable player powers in board games. Like, why do why do they have them? What what what's what's the draw? Because it just seems like I can I well below here I've rattled off what one two three four five six seven eight at least nine like pretty um, good examples of games recently and in the recently in the past do that have these variable player powers now one of them that i pointed out here is that variable player powers add variability to a game that would probably just be stale without them so think about like a game i'm going to bring in here takaido mm-hmm. takaido's got variable player powers everybody gets dealt a character at the beginning of the game and that character does something a little bit different and starts with a different amount of money now imagine playing a game like Takedo if everybody just got the exact same amount of money at the very beginning and you have no groundbreak. You just go along the trail and collect resources and stuff like that. Would you play that game? See, I don't know that you use the best expansion example because I... Takedo it's subtle. It's a subtle... Weak. Yes, Takedo's yeah. a little bit more subtle. I don't know that Santa, it's... Santorini on your... Looking at your notes, Santorini... That's some crazy variability with the with the god. Okay, that, that was gonna be that was gonna be my next my next example up. Oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> I jumped yeah. your notes. <laughs> like Takedo, I think would yeah. be fine if they weren't. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. I don't know that it's that strong of a variability between them. It, well, like the word I used before with Takedo is it's subtle. It's not it's not a scale tipping 
um, uh, you know, difference in the player power. Maybe one person gets to add, you know, more donations to the temple. Maybe another person gets, you know, a slight advantage at the, uh, you know, at the restaurant at the end of the trail, right? There's just these slight subtle things. And I don't know if it would be the same game if you put in a crazy, you know, scale tipping variability, because that's not the, that's not the Zen of the game. That game is all about this very calm kind of wave rather than, you know, staccato crazy. Okay. Okay. So Takairo does have variable player powers. Okay. So let's go with what Norm jumped to Santorini. So Mm. Santorini is a very, um, chess inspired like game where you are moving some pawns on this board and then you're adding these 3d elements the uh, essentially these um, sections of a building onto the board and eventually what you're going to want to do is you get take your guy and get it to the top level if it's not capped off one of the things you can do is you can cap off one of these levels that prevent the a player from winning so it's a very ch- it's very a chess like match where it's just like hey I'm just moving and placing down a building moving placing down a building maybe going up a building placing down a building but what it really kind of comes down to is that every character or every player gets dealt a character and that character is going to play the game quite a bit differently than the next than the next person um, maybe one character says hey. I win the game if I can ever get to the second level and be able to on my next turn jump off. That like that that that's one of that's one of the characters. Or one of the other characters says, "Hey, if I move in a straight path in uninterrupted, I can take out one of the other player's pawns." Type of thing and remove it from the game. Like crazy crazy things that now those are just two of many like probably well i think there's about 30 there's 30 different god cards that are in the game um itself and so yeah it adds variability as in hey i could get dealt a completely different character and now i have to approach the game completely differently the next game i'm still doing important things yeah i wish you didn't start off with this one because I I actually have a weird opinion on Santorini. Cool. I actually don't like the player powers in it. I think that it would be a stronger game without them. And here's here's my reasoning for that because you 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 keep comparing it to chess, and I I agree it's it's a it's mm-hmm. a game very much yeah. like that. You're trying to outthink the other person, and the way that you're moving to the different levels and then capping off the different levels, I think, is a really intriguing idea. And it makes it seem like a very classic game. Like that could have been a game designed 300 years ago. Yeah. I think adding the player powers is an attempt to make it a more modern game. But I think you're losing something there. I think you're losing the timeless quality that it could have. I, yeah. When, I hear you're, you're, when, you're, when you're putting all that kind of jazz to it, I suppose. Right. Chess doesn't need that. Yeah. If you, you're not going to say, okay, this person, all of your pawns act like queens, and this person, you have like two <laughs> kings good. or whatever. Well, like, yeah, well, you kind of destroy the fabric of the game in a sense. What you're saying to me is that is that the base game is stands on its own. It is strong enough to be compelling and interesting. That you don't, as a, as a player, you don't need those because. And I kind of agree. Like when I play it with Mel. She doesn't like to clutter it up. She she likes that that clean essence of just the simplicity of those moves and outthinking the person across from you. Right. I think that yeah, because I was really impressed when I first played it because we didn't play with any powers. Is just getting to know the game, yeah. and I was really impressed with that design. And then you added the players, and it, and it kind of it lost something for me. It really did. But I yeah. am am I in the minority there? Like, <clears throat> does it? A, does it I've, enhance the game for a lot of players? I don't I, know if I am or not. Well, I have I have wouldn't have done enough reading or research into it to see if that is a minority uh, viewpoint. There are probably people in that mind. I could see people in that mind. Um, Jen, like you said, Norm, Jen is like that too. With Santorini, she would just play the game with just their yeah with with without any without any powers. Play it clean, and, yeah, and, it, and it's fine. 
But she says, I would not play this game. I would not play this game 10 times without player powers yeah, or, any, or anything like that. And she's like, no, this game would just end up getting, to, she's like, this just ends up being chess again, where it's like, hey, now it's just predefined moves and there is one definite strategy to probably get to probably winning or something like that. So yeah. the player powers will give it that variety every now and then. Now, oh, I now I got to think yeah, about this. That. Yeah. So, and I think in the rule books, it says that you you deal out two or three and you pick one. Um, what we've done with, with Mel and I is I just tell her, hey, just look through it and just grab whatever one you want. Cause I don't want her and she's, and she, and like, as like for, for people who know she reads books more than she's interested in playing board games. So I want to make this as, as, uh, as free and, and easy to step into as possible. So I, I'm going to bend a little bit of this and just say, Hey, she understands this one. All right. Try it out. It, well, it, well, okay. Now it's interesting. You bring that part up because I've got, I've got a note for myself here a little bit later that, Oftentimes with these games with variable player powers, what do we tend to do is we kind of just, you know, shuffle them up and deal them to the players and say, hey, pick one of these two or anything like that. Yeah, I would really I really enjoy the aspect of a game like that, where it says these are the open information. These are the open options. And hey, select the one that's that you're accustomed to. What one fits your play style? If you've played that game enough, obviously. Yeah. Or that you understand complicitly. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of you can kind of select a power that maybe that kind of like represents you as a gamer. Maybe I don't know that that that's a point that I had later on. So maybe we'll circle back around to that. Yeah. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Loan right here in Saskatoon, using industry leading technology. Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Um, this is one that I saw that, um, Ian had put into his notes and I kind of rewarded it maybe a little bit, but it was kind of something that I wanted to get around. Uh, variable player powers have the notion that variable player powers will guide players towards pursuing a certain strategy or gameplay style, probably evident in games that are more complex in play. Is this a detraction or is this a benefit? So like we're talking about maybe a game like say, Oh, they're, they're, I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to pick one here. Scythe. I'm going to pick Scythe. I don't know if this is a great example for this, but um, I get Scythe and I get the Rush Viet um, faction and the Rush Viet faction allows his, their special player abilities that, Hey, they can select the same action mm. twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Normally in Scythe, you have to pick a different action every other time but they're one major game breaking ability that they can select the same action um to so is yeah, that yeah you wouldn't play that ryan because that's mine <laughs> <laughs> because it's red yeah it has to be red but uh that knowing that and where they are positioned also the position on the board is kind of also a kind of a variable player power too because they always start in the same position and so knowing that action or that ability Paired with where they start on the board, you can kind of get, you know, laser focused onto what maybe you should be able to do rather than so then maybe it's not as variable. I don't know. What's your guys' opinions? You mentioned this one too, Ian, and in, in your yeah. notes. I, I, do, I, do, I do think it's an interesting debate because I, I can see both sides because there are people who will say that variable play powers basically tell you what your strategy is going to be. And there's a lot of people who believe that, right? And that it takes something out of the game. It's like, okay, this strategy means that you do this. If you're the cultists in Terra Mystica, you're focusing on the occult track. It tells you what your strategy is going to be. I don't know that I agree with that. I think there's, in some cases, that's going to, it feels like that's going to be the case. But what I, the way I see it is that having these different player powers Forcing is too strong a word, but I can't think of a better one. So it kind of forces you to try different things, 
in the game, mm-hmm. right? So if you're looking at it kind of a bigger, rather than just as one game scale, but on a multi-game scale, it kind of gives you the opportunity to just explore the game more is how I see it. I kind of look at it the same way, but I approach <clears throat> the variable player power as it presenting you, it, it present the game presenting to you, here is your advantage over the others. You can lean on this advantage if you want, or you can have it subtly be in your gameplay when you make your decisions. Um, that's the way I approach it. Like, I don't see it as this is the, it's like you will fail if you do not follow this rule set or this recipe or this, you know, uh, uh, policy when, you, when you're playing this character. I like, I like the idea that, he, you know, here's, here's your little, you know, here's your, the, the card up your sleeve or, like I said, the advantage. And it's up to you to play it as best you can or to not incorporate it at all. But then then it's not a variable player power. And it's like yeah. a challenge almost, especially like Terra Mystica. When I get a new faction, I kind of see it as a challenge. Like, how do I play this best? Mm. How can right. I approach the game now with this right. different perspective, rule set, person? Yeah. But yeah, so other people did. will look at that and they'll say, oh, well, this is what I have to do. And they'll just do it. But I, I find that there's you got to work at it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's kind yeah. of the way no, I, I No, it. I understand. Because like maybe say one time I'm playing the uh, witches in Terra Mystica. And I remembered that. Okay. I said, all right. After that game, I'm thinking about, okay, what could have I done better with as the witches and stuff like that. But now the next time I play Terra Mystica, I'm going to get the giants. Well, the things that I was thinking about, how was I going to improve (laughs) my gameplay? Yeah. Based off of a different faction. I can't think that now with a completely, that has a completely different advantage or different starting resources or something like that. I'd have to start from scratch again. And so that, that is that for me, I, I, and probably like Ian probably alluded to it. I, I like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a new puzzle to solve I'm, for me. I'm going to throw this in there into the mix. Um, do variable player power games reward repetitions in play? Like the more you play the game, do you get a better understanding of what the game is requiring of you to be successful in the game? Like you just said, are you going to play the same faction over and over again until you understood how to play it? And then I get to, and then I'm going to switch factions now. Like the one I'm thinking is root, right? Oh, like put a pin in it. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Okay. But but that's my thing with variable player power games is sometimes I tend to shy away from them because I'm thinking I don't want to have to play this eight times in order no. to understand but, the dimension of the game, <laughs> we're, we're we're putting a pin in yeah. that one because we're yeah. we're get, we're going to get to that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But do you, would, okay. So let's take Terra Mystica. I know you haven't played it, Norm. Yeah. But but I get it. I know what. It's, there's it was, twenty oh, different yeah. races yeah. in there, right? Does yeah. that dissuade you from playing it? The fact that there's so much variability there. Well, it dissuades me from playing it if I'm playing it against people who have got like tw- you know f- more than five plays under their belt. Right, but that would probably be the case even if there wasn't the player yeah. powers, right? Yeah. So I'm just curious to see if that's a factor. And in- well, I mean, I would never turn on a game unless well, it's yeah. splendor. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no. To me, that's that's the one thing that 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 makes me that makes me not second guess, but makes me think twice. I can see what you mean. Where if you that you haven't necessarily experienced the whole game I haven't unless, until it. you've until you've tried everything, which, yeah. I, which I get, but I think that's a mindset that's going to be different with a bit different people. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think. Is the I don't think for Norm here. I don't think it's the fact that the game has variable player powers. It's a it's a it's a concept that it's a it's a complex game yeah. that rewards does reward multiple, multiple plays. Pl- it does reward multiple plays. There are core aspects of that yeah. game that are. Doesn't yeah. matter what faction you're playing, doesn't matter what variable player you have, that there are core aspects that you need to fully understand in order to play that game very well. Yeah. And so yeah. playing with people that it's not the variable player powers that's deterring um norm. It's, it's the fact it's the fact that that's a that's depth. a complex game. That's a complex yeah. game. Yeah, which we might get into. Maybe that's a further issue down the line, uh, a, a conundrum <laughs> of sorts of complexities and everything like that. Um, 
Oh, I was going to have to say, um, let's let, I'm going to, one of the ones that I want to talk here is the voyages of Marco Polo. One game that we just recently talked about <laughs> yet. And this one that you have, there are variable player powers. You get yeah. a character, you get a character at the beginning of the game and they're all very, they're all very good. Yeah. They're significant, this one has, significant. Yeah. Yeah. But now there are certain, um, player powers in this game that are more versatile than others. I'm talking about maybe there's the one, I can't remember his name, but he is the one that allows you to put down extra trading posts along his travel. As long as he passes through some city, he gets to put it down a trading post, not just in the city that he lands in. He has to put them down. So his strategy is to do the traveling thing. Like, he he is not going to do well. The player who gets that is not going to do very well in a game if they ignore traveling or they don't do traveling as much as they would probably do because they're just playing Voyages of Marco Polo without their player power essentially at that at that point. So that is one of those detriments where they said, no, I get that character. It kind of tells me that I need, if I'm going to do well in this game, I'm going to have to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have to do a thing, but as opposed to like say the um, uh, oh, is it is it is it Marco? Oh no, again, like then there's like Marco Polo and um, Matteo Polo, where they get two travelers. So again, they're more efficient at traveling. So probably that's going to be one thing that they're going to probably want to do. Or there's the guy that gets the extra contract. So maybe he's just going to fulfill contracts for the full for the game. And so. But the yeah. one advantage I would say of variable player powers is that there's just something cool about having something that's your thing, right? That nobody mm-hmm. else at the table gets to have. And I think Marco Polo does that pretty well. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I think that's a big draw. It's like, this is my power. This isn't your power, is Ryan. This isn't your power, Norm. This is my power. You guys don't get to do it. I do. Right? There's there's something really cool about that. Yeah, like... um one one of the big games that the big games that we like to play um ian has eclipse and i have twilight imperium so like i get to have that is my that is my alien race Mm -hmm. and of course i'm probably going to try to exploit their ability to the best of my the best of my abilities and they're going to probably play the same game a little bit differently but it is it's it's satisfying to know (laughs) hey i am going to be this faction and their military, the old, I see their thing. Oh, they're all about military. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to mind saying, I'm going to go bite this game. This is going to be all about exploration and extermination. And Eclipse actually is interesting because if you're not somebody who likes variable player powers, the other side of the board is all, is all the humans, right? And all the humans are exactly the same. Everybody starts out the same. Everyone's got the same powers but you flip it over to the alien side and now everybody's different. And so it's kind of like you get the choice. Mm -hmm. So if you are somebody that doesn't want to get locked into the strategies, you guys can, you can play with that game as the humans, but I've played the first game as the humans and I never went back from there. I've always played aliens. Which is, which is kind of a neat fact because I'm, I, I thought, I remember that part about eclipse that everybody could play just as the same faction. Like everybody could just play as humans. It could just be a very basic game of learning Eclipse. And I was trying to think of there, I, I, there's got to be other games that do that as well. Like there's the basic and then there's the more, say, the more complicated. Doesn't um, the that, um, uh, Paladins or the West Kingdom series, don't they have you? You can play the regular one. And if you flip it over, you get a little subtle difference in regards to what you the resources you start with or the powers you start with i think i think if i recall correctly paladins has that on their player boards and maybe um uh, architects i think has that where yeah, where once, yeah one side of the board is is regular and the other side has just this little slight difference mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i haven't played i haven't played any of the west kingdom so yeah but I, I, I do like that fact because in my next point here, as I said, in the design process, it has to be extremely difficult to balance these things, right? Like if you're, if you're giving something uh, such an extraordinary benefit, like some, but like the flip side of that, sometimes we just see these new additions or nerfed or tweaked powers after the fact. I'm thinking about the example of tapestry. Mm-hmm. Tapestry came out. 
it was a very um, popular uh, Stonemeyer, Jamie Stegmeyer um, design. And through the thousands of plays that got played after its release, people started finding that certain um, civilizations were just seemed to be winning more. And they actually started keeping track of these things and that these, they're certain. And then after the fact, they came up with an FAQ or a adjusted races ability saying, okay, we see, we've saw the data. Now we're going to come back and we're saying, okay, this race, instead of starting with these resources, they should actually start with these resources. Oh, this person's ability, instead of doing those two things, they kind of get to do these one and a half things. And they kind of started, they, and they balance the fact out. But it's got to be extremely difficult right from the get-go. How do you balance all of these different things? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what Ian said before, the quote from Cosmic Encounter that, what is it, balances for wusses? Um, <laughs> yeah. But then you got to take into context the time frame. That's like in the 70s, right? Back when they didn't have the technology to aggregate all this data. They didn't have the the speed of the internet to exchange information where I think Stegmeier um, uh, or Stonemeyer Games had that ability now with the technology and, and the instantaneous feedback uh, that we have nowadays that it, it, it makes sense to, to uh, approach it from that manner. That, oh, yeah, yeah because- that, the, that the players who are locked in have a vested interest that this game is the best that it can be. So. Yeah, because it can go through the hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of play tests before the game gets released. But as soon as that game gets out into the wild, now all of a sudden you are now to the power of 10 yeah. more players, plays of that particular of that particular game. And people have paid for this game, so they're gonna have a different approach and a different passion to <laughs> to their opinions. They're, they're gonna have some conjectures. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um uh, I like that Ian made this fact too, and I had the same note here. Um, some games have variable player powers added on as an expansion, like it was like an afterthought to the original game. Um, some games that did this, um, Zolkin, the Mayan calendar, um, added the tribes and prophecies. Like the original game, no player powers. Doesn't, didn't really need any player powers, but then all of a sudden, hey, this expansion comes out. I can now do something in the game a little bit differently than it like it was. I was almost, it was an app. I don't. It was. I always find when they come up with the expansions, <laughs> it was an expansion. It wasn't the forefront thought at the time of the game design. Right. Everything like that. So an it's kind of a thought. Kind of almost like a different thing. Like when we go back to the Santorini um, discussion, everything. I think in that time, like it was the game was released with the God powers. Yeah in the forefront, much different conversation, Ian, if Santorini came out and all of a sudden, Hey, now we got Santorini God powers afterwards. Now my, my opinion may be completely different if there was a game before, but I don't know. We just kind of mentioned like, Hey, is this just like an easy expansion idea? Right. There's, there's some expansion ideas that seem to go around a lot. Like for example, event decks, right. This is something that you'll commonly see in an example, an event that changes the round or whatever. And I think variable player powers is another one. It's, it's just kind of an easy idea that they can use for expansion. Yeah. That said, I do like the Zulkin tribes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see. I haven't played with them enough. I've, I think I've only played with them a couple times, but uh um Teotihuacan did the same thing underwater cities did the same thing um I'm pretty sure there's other examples that were not but yeah. it's just, just the fact that they were they were an afterthought um one genre of board games that seem to always have variable player powers are the cooperative games yeah it's and huge the, and cooperative games and mm-hmm. this actually makes sense uh, probably the notion that everyone can contribute to some unique skill to solve a problem and yeah, giving different. some Giving everybody a specific role is, a, yeah. is an important piece of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I thought about my real world experience of like, say when we go to do escape rooms, we all have our special talent. We all have our own talents in solving puzzles. Like I'm the math guy. I can figure out math things. 
Ian's got this weird thing where he just knows about like words and letters and their positions in the alphabet. Like that, that that's a weird skill that he has <laughs> that actually came in handy in the scavenger hunt that we did. Yeah. And like uh, Jen's good at spatial puzzles and Courtney, she's really good at word puzzles. Like there, we got like a team that all got a little bit of different something that brings to the table. And I like that what they do with the, I think that's what they're trying to do with the cooperative games. Spirit Island does a great job of that. Spirit Island is huge when it comes to variable yeah. player powers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And everybody's bringing their every um, force of nature, whatever you are in spirit, yeah. the spirits yeah. are, are all bringing something different to the table and actually do play like you're playing the same core game, but they all. There's a crazy they, synergy they are, that you, that you get to experience that you probably. Yeah. They're all, yeah. Yeah, they're all completely really different. And Flashpoint, everybody wants to drive the fire engine. <laughs> that was a really random one. But I, I, thought I, for sec- played- I thought for a second that was a metaphor, but no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> okay. no, Although but, then but- at the same time, do, maybe does, does it get boring? Because Ryan, in Pandemic, you always are mostly the, me- the medic, right? Yeah. It's in her, even in her legacy games, like, did you get bored of that? Did you want to switch it up? I don't know, but I may, see, like, for me at the point, like, I've played the medic so many times. I just know that's my role. I know what I need to do <laughs> in, in in this game. It is mine. I've owned it. For well, then so that's long. okay. But the, but the people would there would be people that out there that would say, "No, oh, I'm the medic again." Like, can I just be somebody else, please? Like, can I be the engineer for once? I would really like to try the engineer. Um, we made we mentioned this off the top of the bat, so we're not really gonna be, but we made mention like some games don't have the defined variable player powers at the start of the game, mm. rather, the players develop their own abilities throughout the gameplay. Are these really, um, variable player powers? Like, we're talking tech trees, tableau building, so we're, we're, we're on the consensus here that that's not really a variable player power if you're developing it over the game. That's that's another mechanic, that's, like that's like a player engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I drafted these cards and now I am now I can do everything these things differently than yeah. all the other players. I didn't start that way. I had to build that up. Yeah. But there is an example where players can customize their starting abilities. Right. And what is that example, Ryan? Legacy games. Right. Where we did we had to do this in Pandemic Legacy and you mentioned that you had to do it in Risk Legacy yes. as well. Yeah, you actually get to build your your factions over a number of games, which is a which is a pretty cool idea. Yeah, the um, Eon's End is kind of like that too, where you you start off all different, but then as the game goes, you can get even better and more powerful at your differences too. So there's there's that tech tree tech tree aspect to it, but you start off um, asymmetric. So mm-hmm. yeah. Now we'll end off our talk about variable player powers where we, we we're gonna take the pin out here, Norm. Ah from from, from a preview. That now Two some pins. Game, <laughs> some games take the variable player powers way to the extreme. Like we often call this is what we refer to as the asymmetric play, where the players playing the game have vastly, vastly different things that they are doing and how they do them. They're almost playing completely different games at this point. And the one thing that we, we talked about here and the one that, that you mentioned at the beginning was root. Yeah. Like there, there is a, there is a kind of a, a common thing that you're going to be doing in root, which is like ruling clearings, putting down buildings, but me playing as the Marquis de cat and you playing as the eerie dynasty, like we're playing completely different games and everything like that. Now, which is a big draw to that game, right? That yeah. is, that's mm-hmm. the appeal of root is that there's right. a, there's a strategy for every different yeah variable player yeah. or asymmetric power yeah so it is a, it is a draw and it's one thing that i really love about it it's also one thing that i really hate about root because when i have to teach root yeah. if, I ever, if i ever had to teach root again which will probably come up in the future at some point in time I'm essentially, if we're going to play a four-player game of Root, I've got to teach four different games of Root. 
like so I, i'm going to teach ian how to play the marquee to get this yeah. is what you okay ian, you, okay everybody else just tune out for a little bit i'm going to tell ian how to play the game okay ian you got that get okay good read over your player board again about five more times and now <laughs> i'm going to go on to the next person okay this okay everybody tune out. i'm going to talk to kim now okay yeah. kim this is what you're doing like the teach of root is excruciate i was gonna use the same word <laughs> but once everybody there has, now this is the beauty of it once everybody is get into the system oh my gosh it's beautiful yeah there's a big cost benefit you put the time in then yes you gotta you gotta get over that initial hump and i don't know that that now that can be a deterrent to a lot of different people like teaching root yeah. your very first game of root is going to be frustrating to the beyond belief. Yeah. And then the next time you play root, well, you hopefully, hopefully you get the same faction again because. And the same group of players <laughs> at the same group of players. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, uh, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that I, if I play the cats one time, I want something different the next yeah, time. Me too. Yeah. I want to do, I actually went through when I was first starting to play Terra Mystica I made a conscious choice not to play a faction twice until I played all 20 at least once. <laughs> and how do you do I didn't never doubled up <laughs> until, until all they were all played once. And now I'm on to the second round for all of them. Wow, that's that that's crazy. See, and I'm I'm of the mindset I was like, okay, that was my learning game. Okay, now I want to play that same thing again. I want to see if I can do it a little bit better now. So I I'm always like, see, I'm starting to get into the mindset where I always want to play something at least two or three times. And that's not necessarily I have a play a player power two or three times in a row. It's like, I'm, I want to play like a board game two or three times in a row now. It's like, hey, the first one was like, hey, refreshing the rules. Okay, now the next two are going to be like, hey, okay, I remember what the rules are now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's kind of like a little switch that's kind of went off in my brain lately. And now I've kind of like, Okay, now if I have a player power, I want to make sure I play that thing at least two or three times. So now, I, okay, I understand this one now. Okay, now I can go on to the next one. Yeah, I don't think. Oh, that. the root especially because yeah, it is like learning a new game because it is so different. I think when I play root, I'm just as entertained as watching how someone else plays a faction that I'm familiar with, and how they interpret the rule set and how they strategically, you know. Uh, um, uh, use those advantages, right? Because a lot of times I'll look at that and go, oh man, yeah, I never thought of doing it that way, right? Or I never thought of 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 strategically planning my turn as that faction in this manner. So a lot of the times I, I get caught up in watching everyone else's gameplay and then kind of go, oh yeah, okay, I got to focus on my thing. <laughs> no, that, that's a very good point because I could be paying attention to what Norm's doing playing as the giants in Terra Mystica. I'm like, okay, I, okay. And then my, if I get the giants, Oh, I remember what Norm was trying to do. Maybe I can try to do that. And then I fail miserably. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because just I didn't experience. even know what I was trying to do. Pulling levers <laughs> and pushing buttons. Yeah. Dune is another one that, that Norm mentioned earlier, that is kind of like this too, right? Where each group that you're playing is plays very different. And I like how thematic it is too, like the Bene Gesserit <laughs> tribe. If, if, if you know Dune at all, like they're the manipulators behind the scenes and their faction's really cool because they choose at the beginning of the game who they think is going to win the game. And then they try to manipulate it so that that group wins the game. And then they actually win instead. If pull get pull right. all the strings in the background. Yeah. Oh yeah. That Absolutely. is amazing. I did not know that that was. Oh Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I kind of wish Terra, Terra, Twilight Imperium had a similar faction. Because all the time when I play that and I'm looking at whoever's got that faction, the Bene Gesserit, <clears throat> I'm looking at them going, why are you quiet? Why are you Why are you complacent? This some, oh, I don't trust you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it makes me nervous. And it's then like, there's, is it the emperor that's like becomes the bank and so anytime mm-hmm. you have to pay anything to the bank you're yep. actually paying it to that player yep. absolutely yeah <laughs> they just get rich off of everybody yeah uh, so so cool um yeah let's bring this let's bring this discussion to a close there's a few games that we haven't mentioned yet but they're you know 
like I meant, I had in the notes here, Gloomhaven. Like Gloomhaven is like one of those, but it's like more like of an RPG in a box. Yeah, like yeah. my variable player power is that I got my own unique deck of cards yeah. that allows me to do my things on my turn. We're all still trying to obtain the same objective, but now I've got, that's kind of like that cooperative thing. Yeah. But mechanically everything. speaking, it's it's the same situation if you break it down is like Terra Mystica. You're able to do something that's way different than everybody else. So yeah. Well, I think it's, it's become very ubiquitous in, in games right now, too. Like, a lot of games do it, but it's it's kind of the scale, right? How much do they go to the root scale, or is it a weaker version? And I think there's, like, I I can think of Merchants and Marauders has different captains. Seven Wonders has the different boards. Mm-hmm. But those are all just, like, like we mentioned subtle. earlier, subtle. They're very yeah, subtle. subtle. Like but Terraforming a, Mars. Yeah, yeah. There's a big range of how variable these players yeah player powers are going to be cool well, i like that hey does anybody have anything else any other games that you're that you're <laughs> dying to mention right it's like variable host player powers anyone got <laughs> something different to add anybody got something different bueller i didn't i, I didn't i think i talked about all the ones that i wanted to yeah talk about. well was, i think you i think you hit a good spectrum of of games and styles and and the differentiation of a tech tree is not a variable player power. It's a it's a yeah. player engine. I think I think Ian was trying to get me to mention Shadows over Camelot because he wants he wants to rub it in my face that I can't read. So how <laughs> how how does that how do you play that game again? <laughs> oh, so many backstories. There you go. Well, if you've made it this far, um, uh, well, but, oh, before I get into that, Ryan, did you want to close this out any differently? Nope, I think we, we're we're variable enough, <laughs> <laughs> and that that brings we some, we, we we all bring our own powers to the yeah. show, <laughs> and that brings some variety to the ending. <laughs> um, uh, that being said, thank you very much for uh, making it all the way to the to the closing segment. Um, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And variably speaking, we'll sometimes maybe catch you later. What? (laughs) (laughs) This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.